this year sucked. <laughs> you mean Could last year? Have been worse. Do you mean yes. last year? <laughs> I'm still stuck in this year. Last year. All right. There's your promo. We're in. All right. Dad bod. So the 2020 was awful, is what we're saying. That was 2020. Can we do that? Take yeah. a riff off of Barbara Wawa. Can we just go with 2020 seemed awful until we really looked into it and came up with a few other years that yeah. might have been worse? 2020 was awful unless you were born before 2000. I have no issue with that whole intro. No, no, no. You really? think 2020 was bad. At least you weren't a Roman in 476 AD. Or how about so, this? Except the Mongols. So you're so impressed That's that fun. you lived through a virus with 0.03% morbidity. <clears throat> wow. That's Wait one. till you hear about the rise of Hitler, smallpox, <laughs> smallpox going through the Americas, and the smallpox flu. for six centuries, just smallpox, the, the era yeah. of smallpox. So 600 years that were worse than 2020. You think 2020 was bad? Wait till you hear about disco. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've actually got 1918. I've got a, it, it's a two parter. One, we got the Spanish flu, but we also had Woodrow Wilson as president. So, I mean, that's a good World call. War one in general was not great. Oh, it was a, it was a hoot. Even though we won World War One in 1918, it was still like four million people died because of it that year. Like, it wasn't like fun. I don't think Europe is like, man, this is awesome. When well, can we that, do that again? That's can what we they do that again soon. In like 1914. Maybe years, yeah. we reschedule. <laughs> hmm? You could say 1914 <laughs> through 18 was all pretty rough. Germany was just wanted a rematch. Yeah. They, they were working on their back. outside shooting and they just thought, hey, let's do this again. This is a best of three, right? Yeah. That's what history is. thought 2020 was bad you should have seen me my junior year in high school <laughs> welcome to dad on history this is jake oh god i'm eric and i've seen those pictures he's right yeah it was awful it was like a bobblehead it was terrible i'm jeff i didn't know these guys back then but no much catching up <laughs> how you guys doing we are officially in the first week of uh 2021 yeah, it's all right. I got a, I got a text from a. Uh, I've had better. I got a, got a text, text from a friend whose uh, sister's uh, husband is going through three days of nicotine withdrawal, and today's January third, so this reeks of ill-timed. Oh yes, New Year's all resolutions. The, uh, resolutions. Yeah, that's why I don't set goals. Never disappoint myself. It's one way to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> That's awful. Well, I stepped on the are stair. You there? Are you a moral support for him, Jeff? Uh, no, I, I support nicotine use at all levels. I can't support <laughs> this you don't foolishness. Support yeah, no, come on. That's no, fire. Maybe he tapers it back, but don't get rid of it altogether. Well, I don't even think he's a smoker, I think he just likes chewing nicotine gum. Is that even bad for you? I don't know. 
can't he? Yeah, see, none of us knows. That's a good question. I mean, he uh, could like sure. get some trident and a patch. I mean, it can't be worse than smoking. That's for sure. It's hard for anything to be worse than smoking. So is chewing nicotine gum bad for you? I don't know. Every excess becomes a vice. I'm going to say That's it's a, a net problem. gain for that guy. Yeah. If he quits? Well, well, I guess right. If he never did smoke, if he's just chewing it. Yeah. That's odd. I How do you know. get hooked Why on nicotine you... gum to begin with? I'm going to guess grab he the was wrong... a smoker or he was chewing tobacco and then he just said, I'm going to quit that stuff and get on the nicotine gum and five years later, gum. you got a nicotine gum habit. Two packs a day. Right. But you don't even okay. get the benefit of a smoke break at work. You just, no, chew through. No, and that's probably expensive work. too. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, that gum can't be cheap. Gum. Okay. Right. Eric, what about 20, you? 20. I stepped on the scale the other day. That was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I'm going to change some habits of mine. You were too thin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, I don't know if you've compared my, my look over the six, seven months of episodes, but gotten way too thin lately. And I just yeah. need to pack it on something <laughs> you like convert that. Your weight to, if you convert your weight from pounds to stones, it's a little more manageable. Yeah. It's like what? Seven stones. That's not Yeah. Bad. You'll only weigh eight. <laughs> See, how do, how do you lose eight. one stone? <laughs> It takes a lot of work. <laughs> okay, so so here's the thing. Speaking of stones, my wife um, likes to go on Ancestry.com and she's been doing all this research with her family's history. And she found uh, this article or this classified from like 1735 in Philadelphia. And it's basically an ad that this guy put out for his runaway Irish servant. So, and the way he describes this guy, he's like, Irish servant, I don't know his name was, so Seamus O'Malley for all intents and purposes, but old Seamus was a blacksmith and he was described as such. And it said like much freckled, uh, a great boaster at how good he was at throwing the stones. Like, I just, <laughs> and more like, nice leather breeches and just like all this ridiculous stuff and a 24 shilling hat which apparently is a very nice hat in 1735 philadelphia and uh the guy puts in the article at the or in the classified at the end he goes um if you return him to me or provide information i'll pay you 45 shillings for for the return of my servant seamus and uh and it was just it was so funny to me and my wife didn't clarify if the person putting the ad or if the runaway slave was the relative of the family you know just it that could both be relatives possibly so anyways just very interesting a little american tidbit of history uh, yeah pre pre-revolutionary war yeah did a bit of family history, no less. Did a bit of family history. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I've been. I don't know what. I don't. And honestly, I don't have any idea other than she found this thing while searching for stuff on Ancestry.com. Um, this little article or classified from the paper. 
I've been reading Grant, the, the biography, and mm-hmm. uh, something I didn't realize, well, I think I shared this with the group, uh, like 18 to 20 cigars a day. So he didn't have nicotine yeah. gum. Um, but he also, I, something I didn't realize, and again, you know, that's why I'm reading the book, but uh, apparently he was a bit of an alcoholic. Um, but it was like on again, off again, like he'd go on benders and then he'd get back to leading the army and he'd be like, nope, not a sip, not a single sip while I'm leading the army. But if I, if I get a weekend off, I'm going at Look it. Out. Yeah. Pulling the pin on that grenade. I'm going yeah. for it. Heads <laughs> and first. There, there's all these accounts of how he, Trying these other generals would come to see him. Lewis. And and some of his people would be like, no, he's he's not in any condition to meet with you today. Maybe late tomorrow he can talk, but it's not going to happen. 24 to 36 hours after he's yeah. had some bacon. You give him some time. Yeah. So that's, a, that's something else. But a good it's funny. I, well, it's funny. I was reading that thread, and it's just something that there's a lot of these famous generals. Um, but I was reading that thread that I shared on Twitter about Grant. And then you said, yeah, a lot of this stuff I'm reading in the, in the book. And one of them was like, he was only like five foot seven. He was very thin, mm-hmm. had an almost musical <clears throat> voice. Um, and it's just interesting, right? Because when we picture generals, we all picture George C. Scott from Patton, right? Yeah. But, but the actual was- Patton was actually, he kind of had a little pot belly and a whiny nasally voice. Yeah. You know, and, and just like we have this impression, they all have to like the big, gruff, taller than everybody, bigger, broader, and, and these deep barrel voices. And, and in a lot of cases, they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, Grant just... in the pictures looks that part. He's scruff and, and that kind of stuff. But the actual personage, the personage, right? His voice, his demeanor, his actual stature are much different than what we kind of have been fed. Um, that's true of like Lincoln. Lincoln had kind of a whiny, soft voice um, and kind of a different demeanor than all the pictures come across as. He was almost boyish in the way he related to people. So <clears throat> it's, it's an interesting biography. It's massive, but it's good. Well, there you go. Yeah, Grant. Good old Grant. Um. So you want to get into this? Yeah. Years worse than 2020? Yeah. So 2020, I, I will, before we get into this, I, I will say in my lifetime, 2020 has probably been the most consistently difficult year of my life. Like there's been moments in my life that have been far harder than, you know, any one thing in 2020. Um, but I think kind of just from the beginning and obviously the pandemic was the lion's share of why, but uh, it was just a stressful year. Like, you know, just it's, it, it, and I was one of the lucky ones that, you know, I didn't lose my job. I didn't get sick. Um, we had a couple members of our family who did get sick, but they've recovered and they're okay. Yeah. We weren't, I was never worried about like going hungry or us being out of a home, but I could say, it was a rough year. Like it was just stressful, like um, consistently stressful. Like I said, there's been other moments in our lives that have been 
or in my life that have been harder or worse or more difficult, but like, it's just kind of this persistent malaise that existed for me personally. I don't know about for you guys or, or for other people, but it's just kind of like, it just wouldn't end. And I think that's what made it such a difficult year. Yeah. I, I think it was a, it was a crappy year, but after doing a little research, it doesn't come close to rising to the level of what I was mm-hmm. able to dig up yeah. on other horrible years. I mean, we're talking about gateway to the dark ages. We're talking about rise of Hitler. We're talking about the fall of civilizations across the Americas, the black death across Europe. I mean, mm-hmm. this year was a real bummer, you know, at least for me, like you said, there are people who had it worse and I, I of course don't want to minimize that, but Historically speaking, I, I don't know that it's going to, in another hundred years, if somebody does this podcast, it may not make the, it may not get mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, what you, the way you put it, Jake, um, yeah, I've had harder moments, but uh, the year just kind of sucked, right? I mean, it was, um, it started out okay, you know, but then it just, things kind of went very quickly in March and then it just seemed to be always like maybe something over the horizon is going to get better. And then and it was like, no, it's extended. And then it just, you know, just for those of you who weren't around in 2020, um, you know, it went from lockdowns for like six weeks to things started to lift to George Floyd being killed to protests mm-hmm. throughout the summer to, massive explosions in Beirut, um, explosion, you know, it's just one thing after another, an election that nobody wanted to deal with. Um, but while the year ended three days ago, nothing has really changed. So not to put that on anybody, but 2021 is just sloppy seconds of 2020. And yeah, it was just kind of that that dull kind of ache throughout. But I will say there wasn't a point at which I was ever despairing or down. I was just like, everything seemed like there was a tension there and there was a challenge to overcome. And that part of that mm-hmm. might be because I knew I wasn't losing my job um, <clears throat> and I wasn't you know, going to go hungry. Uh, I might run out of toilet paper. That was the only thing that I was like, seriously concerned about so i know a few people that have gotten sick i know of people who've died you know they're like two two steps away um but it's just um again i think jeff put it well there's not much digging needed to do to find years that are much worse than 2020. Now, I do think, and I think as we get into this, what is unique about 2020, especially with the pandemic, is that it was a worldwide event. A lot of the stuff that I saw is not entirely global. A lot of the worst years, then at least I found like they were massive and they were the end of civilization as they knew it. But then literally on the other side of the world, they had no idea any of this stuff was happening. But here with, with 2020 with coronavirus, it was a global event. And so it was one of those all-encompassing sort of things um, that 
every nation in the world dealt with in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I do think that was unique to... Or, or they were at least very aware of it, right? Like, yeah. there's some countries that weren't dealing with this much at all, but we're mm -hmm. seeing it through news and through social media, what was happening elsewhere. Yeah. And only because we have a, an interconnected global economy, what affects America affects the rest of the world and, and vice versa. What affects the rest of the world affects America. And, you know, if, if the economy in America retracts, that hurts economies everywhere else. And, and conversely, if, you know, trade gets shut off from countries to America, that hurts us, you know? So it wasn't just a, it, just looking at the, even if you just take away the, the physical toll, the, the humanity toll, you know, people that have died and gotten sick um, or have lost their jobs or whatever, there's all these other ripple effects that did happen. So it was like, the, it was this, massive like i don't know almost kind of like a societal earthquake that kind of took place which well, I, I some think of the other of events that we saw or at least i saw didn't have that totally that same global scope some of the people i've talked to what i'm here what, what we're discussing is that it's really um we're not going to really know the big impact of this for another six to 18 months. Mm -hmm. We're talking about like the, the mental and emotional and all these other impacts that are take longer to, to kind of present themselves. Right. So yeah. <clears throat> with, with kids being locked inside and doing school, um, distance uh is is hurting more than than anyone's really letting on um or willing to say yeah we just got to stop this because it's we, we're gonna have a bigger problem in two years with these kids who've been emotionally stunted by this event so mm -hmm. but uh it's not nearly as bad as some of the things we cooked up right so yeah what do you want to start with all right <clears throat> well hmm I guess the one of the ones that stuck out to me was 1861 for America. Um, you know, that was the Civil War started, right? Um, and it was something that was viewed initially, right, when the 11 states seceded, and then, you know, the attack on Fort Sumter, and then was it the first Battle of Bull Run or Battle of Manassas where the, the Union and the Confederacy, you know, they, their armies met and then they fought and like there's people dining, yeah. you know, having picnics to watch the battle. And, and then it just became literally this bloodbath and just thousands died and people were running away shrieking and, and like people saw what they thought was going to be an initially a short affair um, turn into some long protracted slugfest um, that eventually lasted obviously four years. And I, I looked at it and like, this was to be somebody that lived in America in 1861. I couldn't imagine how 
earth shattering that would be, right? Because it was literally the brother versus brother sort of thing. In your reading of Grant, I think what didn't one of wasn't one of his like groomsmen. Oh, two of his groomsmen were two well, his fought his, for the South. His white, well, okay, half of the guys he knew were all from West Point, and they were mm -hmm. all Southerners. Not to mention yeah. his wife and her family were slaveholders. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in reading this biography, you know, during the secession, her family is kind of saying, well, no, we kind of side with the, the secessionist and she kind of waffled back and forth. And then eventually she found herself on the union side for the union cause, even in, in favor of emancipation. Right. So mm -hmm. um, his family was split. Um, not not that's his, family, his wife's family. <clears throat> yeah, and that's the the kind of the point is right. There, it wasn't just two armies from two rival nations. It was literally family splitting down the middle on how they felt on this issue, and um, and another point being is like prior to eighteen sixty one, obviously the the issue of slavery had always been i mean since the inception of america it was it was always there and i think there's always this uh, undercurrent or discourse right you know uh, leading kansas and the missouri compromise all these things where it's like well yeah we have we fight it out we have some scraps and then we get back and jeff to business, just took right? off the secessionist hat <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. totally unrelated but with the point being right like it was always like this uh, Harper's Ferry is another example. Like there's always this tension on, you know, between the slave states or the Southern states and the, the free states, um, so to speak. But then they'd always have their skirmishes and then, you know, the appropriate people would be jailed or executed and then they'd move on. And this was not that. This was, they thought, I think they thought it was going to be like that again, right? Where yeah. the, they had their skirmishes and then they move on and it didn't and it totally changed america forever and it was i could not imagine and especially in the early goings of the war the union was just getting battered i mean they were not prepared and they had to keep sending um more recruits can their general you know all that stuff until eventually like grant and meade and sherman but and then then what was in 1862 or three they had the draft riots like what happened in 1861 was just. I, it, it wasn't was fully absolute. realized. And nobody yeah. ever enters a war thinking, I can't wait for this to be a long and protracted affair. Let's do yeah. this for, let's plan for six years of war. I mean, at no point have we ever said, we expect this to go on for six years or four years or 10 years. We just, yeah. well, let's, let's get involved and see how things go. <clears throat> but it, I mean, it would look like, I mean, the, the, the union was reeling in those early parts of the mm -hmm. war. And, and uh, so I, I think in American history, 1861 has got to be, if not the worst year in America, it's got to be right up there as, as far as the shaking the foundations of the whole country and, and the people that lived in it. <clears throat> I, I guess 1861 is an important year. I'd say <clears throat> 62 or 63 are, are going to be the years that are really difficult, though. 
like 61 yeah. happens and there's battles and okay but 62 and 63 are where there's just gut punch after gut punch and the numbers really start to stack up and that's where i think people that's when it becomes difficult yeah no that's a good point well and like you said with 2020 it's like we won't know all the ramifications of 2020 until probably 2023. So, and a lot of these years that we're picking and events that we're picking, it's not the beginning that's the problem. It's the middle and the end that get really hairy, but the beginning yeah. is the beginning. And I think that's why we picked a lot of those years. Um, so yeah, 1861, that's what I started with. Okay. Anyone else, or did I win? Did I get the worst? That's year it. Ever That's it. We can wrap up. Yeah, I can't top that. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> 1861 and then 2020. That's it. One and two. I'm going to go to uh, 1520 with uh, smallpox ravages the Americas. Um, okay. There's a bit of an interesting lead into this. Cortez had already subdued Cuba, and then he was tasked. Uh, with taking a success into the mainland. And in the mainland, you had the uh, in, in interior of Mexico, you had the Aztec Empire, which was roughly 16 million people. Um, Cortez landed with 500 men, notoriously burned his ships to uh, prove the depth of his resolve and make sure nobody had any uh, poor notions of, uh, hey, this is going to be really hard. Let's go home. And they started to march in the interior of Mexico. They got there. There was some disenchantment with the government of the Aztec Empire. So they were able to get some, uh, some allies with them. And they ended up invading the heart of the Aztec Empire with roughly 1,000 people. Uh, the city that they were invading had about 100,000 people in it. But, of course, what they brought with them was smallpox uh, in the form of germs that Europeans were much better suited to deal with than uh, native North Americans. And, yeah. uh, and you know, it ended up killing 40% of the capital city. Uh, the, the people who got smallpox, about a third died. Uh, the other third that lived were stricken with blindness. And then the last third would come out of it uh, alive. I don't know what shape they were in. Um, stricken with blindness. Also, That's a, I guess I don't know enough about smallpox, but blindness is a symptom per wikipedia yes that's uh that's something that happens yeah i mean a lot of the people so hmm. and then after that and so not only did it destroy the aztec empire but it also made its way down to south america and destroyed the uh the incan and the mayan empires as well so that was uh that was a really bad year for all of the americas north america south america uh, 1520 and smallpox uh, remained something that uh, people had to deal with for years, but nothing like that initial pop and um, talk about changing history that definitely changed a lot. Well, and, and I think you break up a good point, Jeff, right? Like when we talk about the Black Death, you know, and, and what it did to Europe, um, it, that's what smallpox did to the Americas. And I think, Gosh, this was years ago, but I remember reading something where they said prior to the arrival of Europeans, there were some 25 million Native Americans that lived in what we know as the United States of America. Um, and by the end of the American conquest, like well over 90% of those people were dead. 
Um, and it wasn't because of guns. It was because of smallpox and yellow fever, like all these other sorts of diseases that kept popping up that they just weren't equipped for. So and yeah, I that's think a, I've, I've asked this question at least to myself, and I think I've tried to research it before, if there was any diseases in the Americas um, that had they made their way to Europe, if they would have had a similar effect. And I think the answer I've found is that, no, there, there were no diseases in the Americas that would have had the same effect in, in Europe, in Asia and Africa. And going so, the other direction. That's interesting. Yeah, there, there wasn't really anything that would have gone the other direction. And, and I think I've read that somewhere and I got to look it up now. Um, but that there's some peculiarity about it. But, <clears throat> you know, there is always a question of what if things had gone the other direction, uh, not just necessarily with diseases, but with uh, just exploration. What if... Uh, some Aztecs had built ships and sailed across the Atlantic and showed up in Portugal and said, what's up? Um, that would have changed kind of the, the direction of things in, in some ways. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, tobacco originated in North America. How many people has that killed? Does that count? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, yeah. yeah. Cultivated by Europeans themselves. So... <laughs> Yeah, right. just a thought. That's all I've got on that. Uh, going the other way. Well, and I think that's the thing is that a lot of these diseases, as we learned with the Mongolians, is they started kind of in that Eurasian plateau and then spread out from there. And so they would hit, you know, they go through Asia, Europe, Africa, and, you know, and then uh, wreak their havoc, so to speak. But the Americas were totally isolated from those sweeping plagues until right. the Europeans it, came over. So yeah, that's a nice unique. segue into, into 1349 where you've got the black death peaking in Europe, but you're right. It does. It, it starts in Eurasia with uh, most people. The current theory is that uh, dry temperatures in the Northern parts of Asia drove uh, rats basically down into, uh, into other uh, climates and places where they weren't used to be in. And that started the whole flow of a uh, bubonic plague, which peaked in Europe in 1349 killed uh, when, before it was all said and done, killed somewhere between 75 to 200 million people in Europe, That's a North Africa, wild and West estimate. Asia. That's a wild range of an yeah. estimate. It's got to be, we've learned at least 75 million, but could be more than twice that we're just not <laughs> sure. But I think we've learned in this little episode in history with the pandemic is that estimates wild what we like we should be better at estimates now than we were 700 years ago but we're really not that much better right well, like no, when people say we well 3,000 people died yesterday well did they die of COVID or with COVID right and like we say that and, and well, I think you, can, you know it's a little bit of both it, what think, was the comorbidity rate of the Black Plague? I don't know. Yeah. What was your pre-existing condition, Johan? Well, obviously, tobacco use had nothing to do with it. Yeah, it was not smoking. That's for Good sure. Good point. Good point. So the world population dropped from an estimated 475 million people to 375 million. So Talk about a great reset. No kidding, huh? And, and, and it wouldn't and we've recover. talked about that. 
Yeah, but we're not going to talk about it again. Eric. No, no. I we were talking back in July. We talked about <laughs> how, like, the pandemic that pandemic drove innovation and drove a change to like having a middle class, right? So yeah, it ended feudalism in Europe. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It, it yeah it it ended like land landed feudalism. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't have peasants who belong to land anymore. Well, it led have, to the Renaissance and right. the, the birth of a, the middle, middle class, class yeah. essentially. Yeah. Anyway. So, okay. So, ironically, you have that on the back end of the Dark Ages, which ended, I don't know, you guys are. Oh, I don't want to leave 1349 yet. I, I have one more. I, oh, we're not done? Oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. It's a quite it a banger of a year. <laughs> so, I, you know, that, that, that particular sweep of the bubonic plague lasted 1348 to 1353, like five years, 1349 being a pretty bad year. Right. Um, I would say worse than 20 for Europe. Right. Yeah. Um, but maybe we, <clears throat> maybe 700 years really hasn't gotten us past this, but on February 14th of 1349 in the city of Strasbourg, um, the citizens there blaming a group of people within their their city burned 2,000 of them to death. Can you guess which group they blamed for the Black Death? I don't have to guess because I'm looking at the same note. Ah, that you okay, have, well, so, sorry. I mean, 2,000 Jews. I'm not Jews, touching this one. 2,000 Jews burned to death in Strasbourg. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and again, I, I think there's, I don't know if we've really made too many advances in 700 years because I don't well, think we're too far off from, from pointing fingers like that. I don't think we're burning anyone to death, but we're definitely we, pointing uh, fingers in every we, direction. We do tend to, when confronted with difficulty or peril, and we become scared as a species, a race or whatever, we revert to tribalism, right? Like that's not, that's not a new thing. And I think what you highlighted with the Black Death is, well, let's fall back on the old scapegoat. Let's blame the Jews. And I remember reading about when we did this back in, in the summer, reading about um, that episode where they, where they blamed the Jews and, um, and started persecuting them in persecution, not just in Strasbourg, but um, throughout much of Central uh, Europe, is um, it increased. And in, in fact, that's when a lot of the Jews started emigrating to Poland, where they were tolerated hmm. more um, as a result of, of these persecutions that were happening um, throughout Central and Western Europe. They fled to Poland and, and in Eastern Europe to kind of escape that. So it, it's... It is a good lesson for us um, to not repeat those mistakes that our ancestors made when confronted with a pandemic, for example. You know what, I'm a little confused as to why they would blame the Jews because the medical faculty in Paris in a report to the king, they figured out what happened. Um, They said that there was a a form of the conjunction of three planets in 1345 that caused a great pestilence in the air. So, why are we blaming uh, the Jews? They know what happened. Yeah. Well, well you know, isn't that weird? airborne it's, pestilence. Sounds like yeah. believe the science. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's well, it isn't that interesting. Believe the isn't science. It's interesting because this year, what happened this year? A conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Boom. Figured it out. I should have been so flippant. You're right. I thought yeah. that was the star hmm. of David. I guess not. You really want to okay. over Bethlehem? No. <laughs> Not in 1349. Um, no, I. So, anyway, but regarding that particular persecution in Strasbourg, I think it was a group of. Um, and they were. It was like a group of uh, zealots, and they would. Not only did they persecute the Jews, but they were also like, and I'm going to be very careful with how I say that they self-flagellated. So they would like beat themselves with like whips and chains and like to like excise their own sins for allowing this disease to come and stuff like that. Like there was a lot of that kind of reversion to almost mysticism that ha happened um, during the Black Death in 1349. I cannot account for why the Academy in Paris said what they said, but science that's that's the French for you, I guess. I don't know. Um, talking about tribalism. You wanna, yeah, you want to move on to another one? Uh, I think Jeff was gonna head towards the beginning of the Middle Ages, right? With 476, well, yeah, but well, 536. So, um, in hindsight, and modern science has determined that an Icelandic volcano erupted in 536. Uh, the air and the air currents were right, so that, that it would dim the sun for the sun for 18 months over Europe and vast parts of Asia. Uh, so from 536 to 545, you had the coldest decade on record in 2000 years. And you had systemic huge crop failures all across Ireland, Scandinavia, Mesopotamia, and China. Uh, there was a second eruption not far after in 540 that brought on the beginning of the Justinian bubonic plague, which killed 35 to 55% of the population of the Mediterranean and sped the collapse of the Eastern Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire. So this introduced and possibly hastened the Dark Ages. So this is at the front end of the Dark Ages and our 1349 Black Death was at the back end of the Dark Ages. So it's ironic that kind of uh, we would have such events on, on either side of that. You know what, there's you know, something- Go ahead. No, okay. There's no, some, no, no. so oh, you, no. You. All right, fine. I'll go. So I'm curious. One of the things I had on here a year, 476, Rome was sacked by the Vandals and Visigoths, and uh, uh, was Caesarus, Caesarus Augustulus, Augustulus, like the smallest Caesar, um, is <laughs> is deposed, right? And so that's that's the fall of the Western Empire. Now. What we're talking about in 536 to 545, this decade that's disastrous for the world, I'm very curious as to how a still intact Roman Empire would handle that. Because with the majority of Western Europe- A still no intact longer, Western Roman Empire? Yes, yes. Yeah. Because okay. now you have Spain and you have Gaul, which is France. You have England. Um, the Germanic tribes don't have Romans to fight. Italy is just, you know, just the Italian peninsula with a bunch of people speaking Latin. Uh, but there's no Roman Empire in power. So roads aren't being maintained. 
peace is not being maintained. And now you add to it this famine and, and uh, crop failures. Uh, does the Roman Empire have a way of compensating for that and maybe keeping the peace? But like you said, that's kind of at the beginning of the, the Dark Ages, what we call the Dark Ages. Um, just kind of a curiosity to me, seeing that Rome fell 75 years beforehand or 50 years beforehand, um, if that changes how things are responded to. It also leads to the question, what's to prevent a volcano from doing this today? And what would be the impact on the world today? Obviously, global warming changes, but... I'll I'll tell you one of the impacts of that volcano was... Um, the summer temperatures dropped that year from maybe from 2.7 to four and a half degrees Fahrenheit. And that made a cataclysmic difference in crops coming in, not coming in the starvation of millions. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of different thoughts about climate change and what causes it and what are the effects, but at least back then, I mean, you don't think about a summer that's four degrees cooler than last summer being a big difference, but that along with the haze provided, and I don't know, the lack of sunlight coming through. I don't know. When what you all notice your crops aren't growing and there's no food. Yeah, and, and is there anything deal. we could do today to change that? I, I probably not. Right? Well, I, I, I remember reading, I think, what is it? 401 AD is when the Vandals and the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths and the Franks and the Swabians all crossed the Rhine, all those Germanic tribes, right? Crossed the Rhine. And at that point in time in 400 AD, the Rhine was the boundary of at least the Northern and, and Eastern boundary of the Roman empire, the Western Roman empire. But they crossed, uh, um, they, you know, they walked across that frozen river because they were starving because they couldn't feed themselves. So it's interesting that that great migration of Germanic tribes eventually 70 years later sacked Rome, right? The, they, they were the ones that sacked it in 476 BC or AD. So I, I would think with that, that mini ice age that happened in, what was it, Jeff? Five, 536. 536, right? It had that same impact as all those northern people couldn't feed themselves so what did they do well they started sweeping down through southern and central and western europe again and and created another great migration um throughout europe and 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 eurasia too you know don't forget about the huns why were they sweeping across the the steppes at that time probably because they they couldn't feed themselves um because the steps are not bountiful in the best of times um, and i very imagine <laughs> during during that that mini ice age that that increased uh, the rise of people like attila um if not him exactly well and to eric's question you know what is the the impact of something like this in modern times i mean in this country and even more so in this world we grow most of our food in very few places we got the bread basket in the Midwest. We've got Southern and Central California growing a lot of produce. I mean, if something like ha that happens over those areas, is there anything we can do to make that better? I don't know. Is, does Monsanto have seeds that 
oh yeah fade the heat from something like that yeah they can do it i mean honestly they might yeah the question is can we respond in a way that that you know will humanity survive sure they will we will but can we can we prevent total societal societal collapse right can we uh innovate uh you know hydroponics and indoor growth to the point that we can actually feed the majority of americans so that we can remain you know not a failed state or does it all just collapse and we just rebuild society in 75 years when the weather changes right you know let's be honest let's be honest most americans can fade at least three years of no food so (laughs) we've got that covered the first three years we're good yeah after that it's going to get sketchy so so everyone's wearing their um it's going to be a continuous intermittent fast is what you're saying i started my fast cycle three years ago still going strong (laughs) uh it's interesting that you guys bring this up because I've been reading this book uh, recommended by one of my uncles, and I know I've mentioned it before, called The Accidental Superpower, um, written by a gentleman named Peter Zehan. And uh, he, I think he lives in Texas as well. And he talks about how uniquely positioned America is, um, not only in boundaries, you know, having oceans and then friendly uh, borders, but in our ability to produce um, pretty much anything we could possibly need on our own. Um, One of those being food. And not only can we produce food, but because of our riverways and our transport ability, we can put it anywhere we want quickly without it going bad. Um, So if this sort of cataclysmic geologic event happened, America, unlike pretty much any other country in the world, would be able to survive something like that better than them. Um, so it's just, it's just an interesting aside. I, I really highly recommend you guys read it if you get a chance, because it, it uh, does paint a very interesting picture on, on the rise of the American superpower and, and kind of why that happened. And a lot of it has to do with our geography. Yeah, and Yellowstone is home to a, an active super volcano. If that were to go mm-hmm. up and you get prevailing west to east winds that don't, that, don't give 2021 that those yeah, ideas don't give us any ideas that, no, that carries that, all if, that right over the bread basket if that yeah. thing goes like it's the whole nation is like vaporized within minutes right like it depends on the level of the eruption i mean if it's just a, a plume that you know spews ash for a month let's say that shouldn't that they could, just like poke holes and vent it let out some of the pressure isn't it i don't know if, i don't know if just poking i mean i'm not a geologist a... but this oh, is my recommendation not? uh okay. poke some holes and and let the pressure out but couldn't you also do that to relieve high blood pressure wouldn't that work yeah i think I mean, you're we're really something. we're really figuring some stuff out I, here i, I think that's happens just with... no, no, bloodletting no. <laughs> yeah that's what i was gonna say here's ages. what happens with it with Eric's ideas, he thinks he has these really sophisticated ideas and they end up being barbarically primitive. Uh, Eric's clock system, basically a sundial we're going back to, and then just release the pressure, like poking a hole in a baked potato. Um, yeah. I, or or a, a bloodletting. Got to get rid of the bad blood. All right. 
I really Let's went off the rails here. Moving on. It's moving on. Except to you, year. Eric. Yeah. You can get your. Eric, you got a year for us? Oh, um, you know, some of those were my years I had. I, I'd say, okay, so <clears throat> I, I know I have on here 1933, the rise of Nazism, Hitler takes power. Um, and as an aside, because I know we're going to, we want to do an episode on historical nicknames. Adolf Hitler doesn't have a nickname. He's not like Adolf Hitler, the awful. He's just Adolf Hitler. In fact, he is used became, as a nickname for other people. Yeah. Because you are literally him if you disagree with somebody else. He's kind of like the opposite of Julius Caesar, right? Like Caesar, right? Everyone after Julius Caesar called themselves Caesar because they wanted yeah. to be elevated like him. Right. So Hitler is the opposite of that. He's the inverse of the Caesar. Nobody, nobody gets named Adolf anymore. That yeah, nobody wa oh, nobody oh, no. wants to be a Hitler. Oh, no. See, and this is why I recommend Twitter to you, Jeff. Because a woman did name her son Adolf. And it's not why you would expect. And I'm not going to go there because it's convoluted. So anyways, the rise of Nazism. I wouldn't, 1933 wasn't a bad year, really. Uh, what was a bad year was like 1942 and 1943. Because it's those years where the Allies have had like zero victories that are meaningful. Um, the Germans are, they control every bit of Europe. And there seems to be no real way to stop them. I think the first the first major battles are being won by the allies in north africa in 1943 in um in the pacific it's not until 1943 that the americans have a a, a meaningful victory so 42 and 43 are pretty bad years because if you're an allied if you're british if you're french living under german rule if you're american um thousands of miles from the front lines you don't know how this is going to be won and you only see these defeats one after the other. And there's no sign of a victory coming anytime soon. Yeah, and, and not only that, not even just from a military standpoint, but um, what was it, 1943, Stalingrad's gotta be under siege at this point. Yeah. Um, obviously the concentration camps um, going throughout Europe specifically in, in Poland probably being the worst. Um, and then, but th there's a part uh, of this the whole rape of Nan King and in, in Indochina, yeah. and like there's just there, yeah, there's no. a part of the idea of oh, you know, 2020 is a bad year, and everyone says so because everyone experienced it. Now, if you're an American living in the United States in 1943, you don't know that there's concentration camps other than literally the ones that are in California with Japanese people in them. Um, but you don't know about the ones that are death camps and work camps in Europe. So they're bad years, but all you know is that you haven't won anything yet. Stalingrad is in the process of being won, but I mean, is it really a victory if it's going to cost a million Russian lives to get it? Um, it's a Pyrrhic victory if there ever was one. Yeah, and, and I mean, the Soviets were able to put more people in front of German bullets and the Germans had bullets. So that's kind of how they win on that front. But these years are just the kind of despairing years mm. 
before the allies actually finally get some victories and start to put the axis back on their, their heels. Yeah. Which kind of matches up with the civil war as well, right? Like you said, 1862 and 1863 are really dark years for America, specifically the, the union um, side of the war because they just kept reeling, right? Lee was marching into Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, in 1863. And that's his turn back at, at Gettysburg, but he was trying to march to Washington and was having a lot of success in doing that. Um, yeah. yeah. And being able to turn <clears throat> to win that battle at Gettysburg and show that the Confederacy could be defeated. Um, you know, again, we say that's a turning point. Battle of Midway in 42, again, kind of oh, here's your first major victory. But up until that point, it's just like, how are we going to win? We are on our heels and we don't know what, we don't know how to handle this. So I'd say those are pretty rough years. Yeah. When does Hitler kill himself? Spring of 45? Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Right. April, what, 30th, 28th? Which is interesting because not morally or qualitatively good but inversely 1942 1943 are great years for the german empire or the third reich and for the japanese empire right like they're expanding they're unstoppable uh even italy is having success in 41 and 42 less so in 43 yeah, I guess if you're if you're a like, I'm not saying of, that no, no, I, <laughs> I'm not saying they're good. That's why I said they're not qualitatively or morally good, but for the people in those nations, those yeah. are good years for them. So it's just an interesting, an inverse relationship between the Allies were getting rocked. You're you're um, right because I'm, the, I'm saying and, and from the, the perspective of the Allies, oppressed. 42 and 43 were bad. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I guess I, I'm giving humanity the eyes of the allies. Cause I assume that the allies were more human than the Axis, but you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of Germans. We hear the stories of the German people during the war who, um, you know, we can say they were complicit cause they allowed it to happen, but I mean, and not every German, uh, one yeah, of the greatest it, examples is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's you know it's complicated. But if you're a German and you're living in Germany during this time, and maybe you're not a a pro Nazi German, but you know what can you do? You voted and it didn't work, and you don't know at what point you need to push back, and it's kind of hard to say because you got a family, you got kids, and you know you're just living your life. But you know you've got money, you've got you've got a Volkswagen in the front yard, you, things are pretty good. You know, your son is getting trained up to go off to war. So it's, yeah, there, there's perspective there in terms of whether it's good or not. But I'd say the overall um, experience of a human in 1942 and 43 has to be somewhat horrifying, regardless yeah, of where you I, are. I, I, all I'm saying, like, is you could even say with the sack of Rome in 476, terrible for the Romans, great for the Goths, right? Like, it just, 
I guess it matters on, on how you read the history and if you, you know. But seeing as we all live in North America and we look at all this through a lens of Western civilization, generally mm -hmm. speaking, I mean, yeah, we look at the fall of the Roman Empire is bad and yeah. the expansion of Nazism and Imperial Japan is bad. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not it's, making it's it. pretty easy to put, to put value judgments on I'm that. I'm guessing the fall of Rome in 476, finally letting those Angles and Saxon related people have a hand in decisions in Europe was a good thing. Yeah. The time of the Latins was over. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, let the Germans well, handle it. Well, it's a Yeah, bad. they did so good it brought on the Dark Ages. How about that, Eric? Uh, you know, well, they tried. I, and they gave it their best effort. 500 they, years of They literally didn't try. Societal. They sacked Rome. They took stuff okay. and they left. They weren't interested in building an empire. They were interested in getting some gold and goodies. Well, and but another point to that is the Romans got sacked because the Romans weren't very good at taking care of their empire. So it's not like, I mean, you could, I mean, it depends on how far back you want to go, right? The Celts were doing fine before Caesar took over, right? And killed yeah. them all. So it's not like, it's not like the Romans were just these benevolent red cross type people that are like no we're just here to help everybody trust us it's gonna be great like i'm almost I mean, certain that's exactly word for word what they did said when they showed up though right you know we we like you said it's Jeff, okay we look at, we're here yeah like we look at we look at everything through a western civilization viewpoint but depending on on what side of of the map you're on the battle of thermopylae and specifically the persian wars I mean, the Persian Empire was a vast cosmopolitan empire that was very tolerant of different cultures and beliefs, and they butted up against the Greeks. And, and we look at the Greeks and say, well, no, because they are the, the founding nation of democracy and Western thought. Yeah. yeah, so them winning is good, and, and the Persians losing is good, and, and, and had it gone the other way, that would have been bad. But uh, it's just, like I said, it's just a when we say something is good or bad, it kind of depends on what side of the coin we're talking about. Like you said, I'm not advocating for the rise of Nazi Germany. So the allies Germany. winning is what it was, neither good nor bad. No, I, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's funny because when, I'll, you know who I blame is Dan Carlin because when he good. did uh, his episode on the Celts, being conquered by Caesar, it was really enlightening. Like, no, there was this whole other culture and civilization and all these people that had actually pretty enlightened views and that all disappeared under Caesar's yeah. conquest of Western Europe, that's all. Sorry, let's go on, move on. World War II was not a great time. It was worse than 2020. Yeah. And even even like the end, right when when the Allies did win, it came at great cost, right? Like I, I think you know, and it ended great, right? And, and all the the sol the soldiers and sailors and, and airmen came home. That was awesome, and 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 tyranny had been defeated, but it was like it was still at a great cost. Like you wouldn't go, man, this was a really great year. 
Like, yeah, we won. No, but... Europe, Europe is in tatters. Hiroshima mm-hmm. and Nagasaki are vaporized. It's, yeah, there's. Yeah. I mean, how many? I mean, PTSD and lost lives and. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you turn horrifying. around and it's like, oh, there's these Soviets over here. And mm-hmm. they don't, they're not, they're not shaking our hands and saying, all right, cool. We're all good. They're starting mm-hmm. to make their moves. Right. So <clears throat> the war ends and it's all about what's on the horizon. What's next? Because there's a, yeah. a bunch of years I haven't listed. 1962 was pretty horrifying, especially toward the end. If you think every day is just, uh, are we going to get nuked? Is today the day that, mm-hmm these missiles launch from Cuba and we end up in a nuclear Holocaust. That's gotta be pretty stressful. Yeah, no doubt. Almost as bad as zoom call conference calls. I mean, <laughs> basically the same thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's the modern equivalent. Do you think they would have had like a red zoom computer back in 1962? Just one, like Where, a supercomputer. Uh, the size of a house khrushchev and kennedy could zoom with each other well didn't they have that well they had a red tele they had they had yeah some back channels right but would they have been zooming with each other of course I'm guessing not yeah okay so I'm, I'm assuming we all have 1918 on our list here correct yeah spanish flu um which ironically the first case was in the Started United in States. Like Kansas, right? Yeah, yeah Camp and, uh, Funston, Kansas, and an army training camp. Yeah. So everyone there gets sick. We send them all out to the front lines all across the globe, literally. Um, the so media. Biological warfare. Unintentional, but yes. But the media basically suppresses this article for almost every nation involved in the conflict. Fake news. Um, Spain, which is neutral, is reporting on it and ends up looking like <laughs> the only place in the world that has this flu going on. And hence the name Spanish flu. Uh, it's it infected... funny, right? Oh, go ahead. No, I just had some stats. It infected. Uh, roughly a third of the global population, 500 million people, and killed, you'll love this range, Eric, 20 to 50 million people. Um, the highest mortality was in young adults. Uh, previous to that, and with most other flus that we're familiar with, the very young or the very old uh, get the worst of it. But this particular strain of, I believe it was an H1N1 strain, was particularly bad for healthy, robust immune systems. Therefore, uh, hmm. it killed a lot of uh, young, otherwise yeah. health, healthy people. Well, and I yeah. think there's there's three main waves of the Spanish flu, or the Kansas flu, we yeah. can call it. And it was like the second or third wave that really went after the young adults. Like the first wave kind of affected everybody. The third wave affected the young and old. But there was one wave... Like the waves were different from what I read. It Um, it mutated clearly, which is we're seeing that with the coronavirus right now. You know, it's, it's interesting because 1918 was also the last year of world war one. So not only, right. Not only do you have this pandemic going all across the world, killing up to 50 million people, but you're in the throes 
the last year of the, of the world first world war which didn't end right until november 11th and uh and it added to the catastrophe like they exacerbated each other i'm sure the conditions in the trenches exacerbated well, the, the contagion of the Spanish flu and vice versa, the Spanish flu, and it made the conditions in the trenches worse. And it's not even the trenches, the conditions in some countries where food was running out because of the need for war materials. The fact that people in certain countries were malnourished as a result of blockades and uh, food shortages and food supply trains not making their, you know, trade was interrupted. You know, when you don't have the, the food supply chain intact and you run out of food and then you get sick, yeah. it makes it worse. Yeah. I mean, you and had... we know most of this through the benefit of hindsight at the time, they didn't know to stay away from other people because there was a global pandemic going on. There was a media blackout on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So you have complete ignorance on, you know, yeah, don't protest and all that fun stuff. And you have this war that people um really looked at as an apocalyptic event you know it, it kind of like with 1861 the war starts people are excited it's kind of fascinating everyone's going off to war everyone's getting dressed up and waving their flags and then the war digs in you get to 1915 it's like yeah soon soon and then 1916 it's like this is this is an apocalypse they're always hoping for breakthrough yeah and and but 1916 everyone knows there's not going to be any breakthroughs the generals are the only ones who are convinced there'll be a breakthrough, but, you know, um, people are seeing photographs of this apocalyptic size event going on in Europe where hundreds of thousands are dying every month. And then as it starts to wind down in 1918, the Americans show up, right? We showed up and everything wound mm-hmm. down. You're welcome. And we bring... <laughs> Uh, the Kansas flu with us and the war ends. And then we have 18 months of this pandemic. Yeah. So World War One, are... ironically called the war to end all wars. So, yes. Yeah. Well, they didn't call it World War One to begin with. They didn't know there was going to be a two. <laughs> no. Right. Why don't we call this World War One and hope there's Just a second one. <laughs> um. Well, and, and it's interesting, right, I, with uh, World War One, like it's one of those, right, it was known worldwide, and it didn't just impact Europe, it didn't just impact the Americas, because the British Empire at this time was drawing from their empire, obviously mm-hmm. people from Australia, New Zealand, Anzac, and then uh, their Indian uh, yeah. colonies and uh, obviously the Canadians um, anywhere that they could pull and then the French were pulling from their colonies too in Africa specifically um, Morocco and yeah uh, more sub-Saharan colonies even and then I mean, we feel they had integrated of... like in the French the French had integrated uh, units I mean they had yeah. African and North African soldiers fighting right alongside their units the British had units that were separated. You know, they had an yeah. Indian fighting force and Australian groups. Yeah. And, and so, but, you know, you have the British Empire and it's drawing from all these people. You have the French Empire, the Russian Empire, 
which at this point is in 1918 is in the full throes of the Red Revolution. So that's affecting in all, you know, all of Russia, which spans from Europe to, to the Pacific Ocean. Um, and then you have the Ottoman Empire, which is now collapsing, which affects North Africa, Asia, you know, um, the Middle East, like it. And then to add on top of all of that, the Spanish flu, or I guess we're going to call it the Kansan flu, um, comes no, in. No, we're not. <laughs> it comes in and kills another 25 to 50 million people in a matter of two years or so. Like it's nothing could compound quite like what happened in towards the end of 1917 through 1918. I mean, that was just. I, I it mean, makes 2020 look like the county fair, right? Yeah. All yeah. those county fairs. Yeah. 2020, not so bad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. That's it. Hey, okay. Well, no, it's not it. I, I've got one year on here. I'm sure you guys have. You guys have 1996. Um, when Bill year. was reelected? That... No, I, uh, <laughs> I, I used to really love the NFL. Not so much anymore. But in 1996, a 13-3 Denver Broncos team, the number one seed in the AFC, lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the first round, 30-27. to And I've never really gotten over that. Even though I don't okay. really even care for the NFL anymore, that – affected me greatly so i had to but, dig through my own life for personal tragedy something that was funny enough and light enough or real enough that's what i came up with 1996 but inversely in that season 1996 the 13 three packers team went on to win super bowl 31 so <laughs> again it depends on what side of the coin you're on if it was a good or bad year Right. And I know you know what happened the year after. Oh, I do. And that was a terrible year. 97, 98 was awful. It was just. It was a great year. The great (laughs) curse was lifted. Oh, he got his first ring, his first of two rings. This just, this drives home your point of it's all about perspective, Jake. Yeah. Leave it to football to give us perspective. Amen. So So, I, I feel like we're wrapping it up here. But before we do that, What's your prediction on 2021? I've decided that the whole rest of the decade is going to be awesome. That's <laughs> we're paying for it now. It's going to be the era of good feelings. It's going to be the roaring twenties again. It's going to be great. Like it's going to be the it's going to be a good time. Oh, I, I, so. I'm not going to go Debbie Downer. I'm just going. I'm going to go with with jake's yeah roaring 20s let's let's do it mm-hmm. let's not worry about the rise of bitcoin and the inflation of gold and the printing of money and yeah that's fine I mean, let's go with everything's going to be great in 2030 when we declare war on the mars colony then you know that's going to be different but let's enjoy it while we can fair enough i, well, I guess this this should probably be an annual episode a, a recap of the year it doesn't always have to be years worse than this year hopefully mm-hmm. that, that that won't be <laughs> we won't be sitting at the at the tail end of a year that we all we agree thought, was terrible yeah. guys we were so off we thought 2020 was bad yeah you thought worse. 2020 was bad how about yeah. that yeah we could i mean it could be the episode with like find years that are better than the year we just had <laughs> i can't yeah. <laughs>
Best <laughs> year so ever. So good. Yeah, I like it. Yes, we will make this an annual, annual episode. All right. Well, with that you want to wrap it up? I mean, works for me. Yeah, we we could. That's fine. Okay. Well, you, okay. you sounded unsure there, Eric. Is there something you I just looked at the clock. I'm like, it's not even 10 here, but you know, that's fine. That's fine. I do yeah, work Again, tomorrow, it's a matter so. of perspective because it's 1130 here. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can we can wrap it up. This was fun. Um, 2020, pretty rough, but uh, not the worst. Not the worst. Yeah. So. And like a lot of these years that we looked at, as bad as they were. I mean, it moment. could just be a precursor to terror, abject terror. That is not where I was going. But, but 2020 right. is the hobbit to the yeah. rest of the 20s being Lord yeah. of the Rings. God help so, us. So I was going to say, like many of these, like we said, the Black Death that led to the rise of the middle class, the Renaissance. Oh. Um, the Reformation. Um, yes. And you mean you the know, revolt? Sure. Sorry, I went to Catholic school. It was always no, the Protestant fine. revolt. Yeah. <laughs> and much like the 1861 was rough, and specifically 1862 and 63 were bad in the throes of the Civil War, it did lead to the emancipation of African Americans um, and the eventual establishment of the 14th and 15th Amendments and, and an integrated society, though not perfect, is far better than it was. Um, so hopefully we can look at 2020 and say this was bad, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel and, and hopefully there will be some true good that comes out of it. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, uh, I'm <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Jim. I'm Jake. I'm Eric and you have to like and subscribe these things to, to us. Like, like subscribe, video, follow. Subscribe to us, follow us. If you want to dad bod history car magnet or yes. sticker let me know or eric know. know and we will hook you up and i'm jeff and while you're up to all that other stuff leave some comments below thank you yeah we want to hear what you have to say i mean we're saying we want to hear what you have to say but depends on what we you say them. yeah we read them because there's usually only we definitely do that <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you think if you want. I'm probably not going to read it. I don't even care. <laughs> Here's the suggestion box. <laughs> but make sure you subscribe so we get those likes. I like it. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you yep. all next week. Have a great beginning of 2021. Good night. Cheers. That's stuff. Great, Eric. You know how to finish strong. Talk. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs>